This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Kate of Fakaronga Mai Kwe Kito Tato El Hori Hori, He Hotaka E Panaki a Papa Tuanuku, Tangaroa, Merangi Nui. This is Summer Science with Our Changing World on RNZ National. And now it's time for another new podcast from the University of Otago's Centre for Science Communication Students. This week's story is produced by Ellen Rikers. Over thousands of years, the ancestors of modern-day Polynesians sailed vast distances across the open ocean, long journeys to populate the scattered archipelagos of the Pacific. They reached remote islands in their outrigger canoes, navigating by the stars, establishing new settlements along their great eastward migration. Finally, they arrived at the farthest corners of the Pacific, Hawaii, New Zealand and Easter Island or Rapa Nui. And then they stopped. Or did they? Perhaps they continued on their eastward trajectory because there was nothing telling them to stop. Maybe they sailed to the New World, arriving on the shores of the Americas some 700 years ago. For many researchers, this tale of Polynesians reaching the Americas is not just speculation. It's a bona fide theory backed by mounting evidence. I'm Ellen Rikers, reporting from the Centre for Science Communication. Did Polynesians reach the Americas? Certainly most Pacific prehistorians accept the likelihood of Polynesians reaching the Americas. There was no reason for them to stop. They were travelling in that direction at at that time, kind of mid-1300s. That's about the time that we would predict when contact would be made when you look at how the dates of settlement of Pacific peoples moving across the Polynesian Triangle. That's Professor Lisa Madisu-Smith, Professor of Biological Anthropology in the Department of Anatomy at the University of Otago. She specialises in ancient DNA analysis. It's a kind of classic detective mystery. It started with an inkling, a realisation of sorts, and it all has to do with a humble root vegetable you probably eat with your Sunday roast the sweet potato or kumara. We've known for a very long time that the sweet potato is clearly a plant of South American origin and the sweet potato was present in Polynesia when Europeans arrived. And so that evidence certainly was an indication of some kind of contact. So there's been a long kind of awareness of the possibility and the likelihood of contact, but the big question has been who made that contact. 
Thor Heyerdahl, a Norwegian adventurer and scholar, reckoned it was an ancient South American culture that sailed into the Pacific on balsa rafts. Say, have you noticed that the huge stone figures of Tiki up in the jungle are remarkably like the gigantic monoliths which are relics of extinct civilizations in South America? Heyerdahl wrote in his book, The Contiki Expedition. Thor Heyerdahl had noticed similarities both in the physical characteristics but also in some cultural characteristics between Polynesians and Native American populations. I found in Peru surprising traces in culture, mythology and language which impelled me to go digging even deeper. And I found what I hoped for. I was no longer in doubt that the white chief god Santiki, whom the Incas declared that their forefathers had driven out of Peru onto the Pacific, was identical with the white chief god Tiki, son of the sun, whom the inhabitants of all the eastern Pacific islands hailed as the original founder of their race. So Heyerdahl thought that Polynesians were descended from indigenous South Americans who had been driven out by the Incas, and he set out to prove this theory was plausible by embarking on an epic 8,000-kilometre voyage in a handcrafted raft from South America to French Polynesia, which he completed successfully. But his idea is not supported by modern genetic and linguistic evidence. We know from a genetic perspective that Polynesians are a mixture of Southeast Asian ancestry mixed with Oceanic ancestry. Linguistically, the the Austronesian languages, which the Polynesian languages as a group belong to, um, can be traced back to Taiwan. Even if Polynesian origins lie to the west in Asia, not to the east in South America, the question still remains. How did the Kumara get into the Pacific? And what about the cultural similarities that Heyerdahl and others noticed? The first clues were mostly linguistic, that is, words. You see, there's an indigenous group of people from south-central Chile called the Mapuche, and they have some words that are strikingly similar to words used throughout Polynesia. The Mapuche, which, which are the largest indigenous group in Chile, and they inhabit south and central Chile, have an artifact in particular that's called the tokikura, which was a necklace that was worn by chiefs that is uh, an adze-shaped necklace. And guess what? High-ranking Maori individuals in New Zealand also wore an adze-shaped necklace called a tokikura, meaning sacred axe. And we don't see uh, evidence of them elsewhere in Polynesia, but the, the adze, of course, the uh, actual working adze, stone adze, is used throughout Polynesia. Couldn't this just all be a coincidence? And the historical origin of the term tokikura is not conclusive, leading some to dismiss this apparent link. But there is more. The Mapuche are the only people in South America to have a distinctly Polynesian style of boat technology, the sewn plank canoe. Polynesians built their canoe hulls up with by sewing wooden planks together. There are a few places along the coast and, and right around um, south-central Chile where we see this technology being used and the archaeological evidence and radiocarbon dated remains of sewn plank canoes in southern Chile date to the mid-1300s. Clear evidence of contact, I would argue evidence of Polynesians making contact. A UC Berkeley linguist, Catherine Clark, has investigated this even further, taking a good look at the terms associated with canoes 
Class analysis has found some potential linguistic links. If you just had one of these cases of connections, you, you can often have connections just by chance. But it's not just words. It's also chickens. A Chilean archaeologist, Jose Miguel Ramirez, uncovered some chicken bones at an archaeological site in the Mapuche area, which he believed were pre-European contact. South America didn't have chickens until they were introduced. And if they were pre-European, then who did introduce them? Ramirez got in touch with Professor Maddie Sue Smith. She analysed these chicken bones and radiocarbon dating showed that they were introduced, at the latest, by 1424, definitely pre-European. DNA analysis suggested these weren't just any chickens either. These were Polynesian chickens. But not everyone accepted these results. Another research group performed their own genetic analyses of chicken populations in South America, looking at the mitochondrial DNA and concluding that their mitochondrial evidence provided no support for a Polynesian introduction of chickens to South America. Further studies suggested that maybe contamination with modern chicken DNA could be responsible for the Polynesian chicken find. But Professor Madisu Smith disputes this. I've always said, you know, not only I think the DNA evidence is strong um, and we're in the process of actually there are ways that we can look at this using new technology, but um, the radiocarbon evidence is really what indicates that chickens were introduced to South America. We've tested all the possible interpretations of the radiocarbon evidence. So we have multiple dates. The archaeological context is is clearly pre-Columbian as well. Dates on other artifacts and things from the site are all consistent. Archaeologist and anthropologist Professor Athol Anderson is a vocal opponent of the Polynesians reaching South America hypothesis. In his book, Tangata Whenua, he questions the DNA and radiocarbon evidence and suggests that more samples need to be analysed to check that the results obtained are truly representative. Of course, Polynesian chickens are one thing, but human evidence would be the ultimate proof. So Professor Marisu Smith and Jose Miguel Ramirez went searching for this elusive human evidence and they found some skeletal remains that were remarkably Polynesian-looking. Polynesians generally were phenotypically, physically, quite different from indigenous Native Americans. Polynesians are very tall, very robust, very muscular. Those characteristics shape the bones and, and can be identified in the bones. They set about trying to extract some DNA from these ancient remains, which is notoriously difficult. We were able to obtain some samples from those and we started looking at, at the DNA evidence because while the morphology indicated that they were typically Polynesian in form or admixed between Polynesian and Native American, the DNA evidence is really, as we say, the kicker. It's, it's the final nail in the coffin of any debates against who, who these people might be. The mitochondrial DNA of these individuals is all Native American, typical of what we would expect of coastal Chilean populations. And unfortunately, the DNA is not well enough preserved for us to get nuclear markers. So what would the alternative explanation be? Professor Athol Anderson argues... It is not impossible that Polynesian voyaging did reach South America, even from New Zealand. But so far, the proposed evidence is inconclusive. Thor Heyerdahl's theory that some migrants came from South America cannot be entirely discounted. 
In particular, he notes the intriguing resemblance between some aspects of Easter Island or Rapa Nui culture and South American culture. Anderson further suggests that the Kumra would have been more easily transported into the Eastern Pacific via Rapa Nui than by extremely long and difficult round trips from Polynesia. But Professor Marisu Smith argues that South American people did not have a history of open ocean voyaging, but Polynesians were accomplished seafarers. I beg to differ. I, I argue that the actual settlement history of the Pacific is, is evidence that they did, and we don't have any other evidence of, of significant South American voyaging. Interestingly, that right at the spot where, where the winds and currents shift and allow boats to sail more easily and reliably and safely into the Polynesian Triangle is, yes, right around the Gulf of Guayaquil, which some linguists have indicated as the likely linguistic origin of the term kumara, which has been linked to the Quechuan word kumar. So who is right? Which side has the more convincing evidence? Did the Polynesians reach the Americas? It's a tricky one, and only time, new evidence and new technologies will reveal the answer to this tantalising scientific mystery. I guess as a scientist, we, we always need to keep an open mind and constantly reassess the data that are available. We're always continuing to, to look for more evidence, but should we find, you know, a South American raft, you know, with good radiocarbon evidence buried on a Polynesian island? Hey, I'm quite happy to reconsider, but, but it's going to be some pretty solid evidence. That was Lisa Matasu-Smith from the University of Otago, and that podcast was produced by science communication student Ellen Rikers.